Okay, let's look. We're going back uh, this time to the sixth chapter of the book of Revelation. First thing I want to mention this morning, Satan is an imitator of God. I pointed this out a little bit while ago. We're going to talk about it a little bit more this morning. The Bible even talks about Satan has a doctrine. And you'll find that. He said for us to be careful. In 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1, I've preached off of this a lot, but I will read it to you. Chapter 4 and verse 1 said, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. He's got lots of doctrines. And so you you got to remember that. So just like God has got doctrines, then we've got to get a hold of them doctrines, and the doctrines of God is what we're to stand for. And the devil's got his doctrines. We need to learn his doctrines so that we'll stand against those and not get them confused. Our problem in our day is that we've got uh, we've come to the place that we we t- we accept a lot of the things that the devil tells us, and uh, we don't get. He's also got us a, a synagogue. And the Bible said, and it calls it in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 9. And uh, let's look at it and he'll tell you what it says. In Revelation chapter 2 and 9 it says, I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich, and I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. So he's got his own synagogue. Then in chapter 3 and verse 9, he says basically the same thing. He says, Behold, I make them of the synagogue of Satan. So see, uh, the devil is not uh, uh, not uh, an ex-religious uh, person. He gets in religion. Oh, yeah. That's where our problem is today. Yeah. We've got that today. And uh, I, I thought about a story that I, I think I mentioned it to uh, Brother Virgil here the other day, Friday, and uh, Brother Dallas too, about Satan had a meeting with some devils or his demons. Preacher was telling that. And I said, well, I don't think I'll tell that. And then I got to looking at it. Yeah, I believe we'll tell it. He has had a meeting with some of his little old devils and said, what can we do to destroy the religious world? And one demon come up to him and said, I'll tell you what you do. And he says, what we'll do is we'll get it told around the world there's no God and no Creator. Satan said, that sounds good. But you know down the road somewhere, they're going to read the Bible that God said, if you said there's no God, you're a fool. And they'll learn that, and uh, that'll make us look bad. But they have tried that. Mm-hmm. Then another one come up and said, I'll tell you what we do. Said, we'll just try to confuse the Word of God where they will not believe the Word of God, and they can't find out what the Word of God says. She said, that's good. And you do it. But you know, they'll catch on to it one of these days. They'll find out that the Creator is the Creator. Of course, they've changed Bibles like crazy. And nobody knows what Bible to use today. And nothing seems to be the absolute truth anymore. So that fell apart. 
and nothing come along and said we'll just teach and try to get everybody to think you can get to heaven any way you want to get there you can do what you want to do and we'll get everything out there put in front of them to do and do this stuff Satan said that'll work for a little while but it won't I'll continue on won't continue on they'll not get that amen so finally another old demon come crawling up he's one of the most wicked as it were and he's was one that has most controversial even the demons didn't uh, always run with him and he says I'll tell you what we do said we will get more preachers and load them up with good and load them up with bad tell them there's a God there's a heaven there's a hell and we'll tell them everything and we'll confuse them so bad that they won't know what to believe and said we'll just put more preachers in the ministry one's preaching right one's preaching wrong one's preaching in between Satan said that'll work get to be it. get to work get it done ain't that about where we are today amen Some of this is just a story but sure does fit amen now in the word of God in the book of Revelation would you believe today there is two white horses in the book of Revelation? And you also will probably know that a lot of people teach that both of those white horses are ridden by Christ. I've heard that so many times. But that's not so. And we're going to look at that. Do you know the first white horse is in chapter 6 of the book of Revelation? And it's after chapter 5. So that means it's after the rapture of the church. So let's look at chapter 6 for just a moment. And uh, it's also, and we're going to come back to this hopefully today, may not. But there's some books in the book of Revelation that you must watch after. The Bible talks about the book of life. It talks about the book, the Lamb's book of life. It also, in chapter 5, talks about a book that's sealed. And everybody was concerned about not being able to open that seal. Why? They couldn't, nobody in heaven, they couldn't find nobody worthy. Looked under the earth, couldn't find nobody worthy to open the seals. And there wasn't but one that's in chapter 5 of the book of Revelation that was worthy. Worthy. Nobody else qualified. In chapter number 4, you find the whole church, Old Testament saints and the New Testament saints. You find the created beings that's crying, holy, holy, holy. They were not worthy. They were not worthy. Got me? They were not worthy. And no wonder we all say, thou art worthy. Amen. So, what what was so important? What did, I never give this much thought to the other day when the Lord showed it to me. Out of Revelation chapter 5, verse 5 says, And one of the elders, one of the elders, I don't know where is the Old Testament uh, elder or a New Testament elder. But and one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, 
Behold the line of the tribe of Judah. Now we know that is Jesus Christ because he was of the tribe of Judah. Judah means praise. The root of David. We know that there's nobody uh, qualified to be called the root of David but Jesus Christ. Hath prevailed. He's a prevailing lamb to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. Now, for a long time, I've just took that and said there's seven seals and we've got seven seals. But what is the importance of that seven seal book? Just stop to think about it a minute. Why is it so important to find somebody to open them seven seals? Because the purifying of the earth and the will of God and the glory of God and the power of God and the prevailing God for ages to come is in that book. In other words, until there's a purging of the Jew, and until there is all this is going to take place on the earth called Jacob's trouble, tribulation, there is never going to be a wind-up of a new heaven and a new earth because the devil has got charge. Does that make sense to you? And that's right because it's what's happened. So I'm, you probably never get much thought. I haven't. In, in that seven-sealed book, why is it so important? We've got to find somebody that's going to lose them seals. Because them seals finishes up God's work on this earth. And that is sealed. God's got it in a sealed book. That's why all of us have trouble understanding all of it. But God's going to open it. He's given us enough thought that what he's opened, he opened it. The book has been opened. Yeah. Jesus opened it. But up until it was opened, the book of Revelation was written then, and we've got that. The book, Revelation, if it stopped at chapter 4, uh, and the rapture took place, church wouldn't be here anymore, and it wouldn't be finished. The Jews just been left hanging in the air. New heaven and new earth couldn't come along. Because there's some other things got to happen before the... Does that make sense to you? And so I begin to see, that's a, that's a mighty big book. It's got some stuff in it. And no wonder, I'm not worthy to open that book. You're not worthy to open that book. The angels weren't open to, worthy to open it. Neither were the 20 and 40 elders all the saints of God, nobody was worthy but Jesus because he's paid the price and redemption for all that to take place down the road. Amen. Amen. That's shouting weather, folks. Amen. I'll tell you it is. To think about it. I mean, no wonder. We think we're going to go over there and glory, uh, you know, glorify God every day. But we, we are. But we've got a reason for it. It won't be just something... Hollering, amen. Somebody stirs me up with something, and I say, amen, hallelujah. It don't take much to stir me. Never has. I don't believe in put on. Amen. But I can shout on the credit if I have to. Praise God. Can't you, brother? Don't you? Amen. I've done a little of it myself to try to stir up somebody else. But I'm trying to say uh, that what we're going to do is give God the glory. But if you see the dif difference of this thing, and he said in verse 6, And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne. In the midst. In the, I, that's about as close as you can get to the perfect center 
of heaven above. In the midst. In the middle of a throne. Wouldn't you say that's the middle of heaven? Praise God. And of the four beasts and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb. Now, not a literal lamb, but it, it is. As it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. Now, they begin to worship him because they... Now, you understand why they're worshiping him now? Because he's worthy. And our praise should always be because he's worthy. Even down here. And so, he's given us that and all that. But then, let's look. The scene closes in heaven. Uh, I mean, for that part. And opens up on the earth, if you look in chapter 6. And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, uh, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. It seemed like they must be the praise team in glory, if anything. Come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse. First horse in Revelation. And I saw, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat on him had a bow. You know what a bow is? It's what they used to fight with. And a crown was given unto him. He got a bow, but you don't see anywhere he's got any arrows. And he went forth conquering and to conquer. This is the first one that rides out on a white horse. This starts... The tribulation period. Not the great tribulation, but the tribulation. The seven years. Tribulation is seven years. Constant. But the great tribulation is three and a half years. And that's the worst part. So the reason I say it, the first half of the tribulation won't be so bad is because this Antichrist is going to offer false peace He's going to offer them peace. But he can't give peace. The devil has never given peace to anybody. He's taken peace from them. He's never given me peace. He's never given you peace. He's taken peace from us. But one day, he will be put down by the Prince of Peace. And Jesus will give us that peace. Now, two white horses ride in Revelation. The first one is in chapter 6. The second one is in chapter 19. Just jot that down for right now. And uh, chapter 19. The one in chapter 6 is not the Christ. He's the anti-Christ. This one right here in chapter 6 is the anti-Christ. This is what's going to happen. You remember I told you what rapture is going to take place? So the anti-Christ right down on this one. That's right. What's he doing? Imitating the king. He's an imitator. That's what I said a while ago. He's an imitator. He's always wanted to rule the world. He's ruling to a certain degree. He's called the prince and the power of the air. He's called the God of this age. And he loves that title. But he wants to control the entire world. He's never been able to have the whole world worship him. God has got to worship. 
And he'll never be satisfied till he gets somebody to worship him. Somebody said, will they ever worship Satan? Yes, they will. They will. I'll prove that to you in just a little bit. I hope I have enough time today to do it. Amen. But this white horse rider here is the Antichrist. He's the Christ imitator. He's the promoter of himself. He's Satan, the ruler of darkness, Lucifer. And he rides out on that white horse letting everybody think that he is the king. That, ro- that white horse is royalty. Amen. The Bible said he's coming back on a white horse and what are we going to ride? What? Say it again, little lad. White horse. We're coming back on white horses behind him. That's righteousness. We're coming back with him. You see that? That's why it's white. Now the devil's got some other horses too in his corral. But when that red horse rides out, he takes peace. Look at chapter 6, verse number 2. And I saw, and behold, no, excuse me, uh, uh, verse 3. And I opened the second seal. I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went out another horse that was red. Remember them little books we got right there? We got them right there. We got them white horse, red horse, pale horse, black horse. Right there. And I got a message on them. That was red. And power was given to him that sat thereon to take, 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 what? Peace. Peace. That means what I just told you a while ago, that the white horse is giving peace, even though it's false peace. Mm -hmm. He's not going to keep it. He's going to break it. When that second horse rides out, peace will be broken. This will be the mid Station of the three and a half, I mean, of the seven year tribulation, the first three and a half years will be over, and the last three and a half years will start with the red horse. And that red horse is going to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another. No killing in the first half of the tribulation. They've got peace like they thought they'd never have peace. Those Jews are going to be happy. They're right now in turmoil, wars all over the world. But this Antichrist, the superhuman that's going to ride out on a white horse, he's going to be able to solve every problem the world has got, and they will love him so much that even the Jews will think that he is Christ. Now, you probably never hear this. People don't preach this. But that's what's going to happen. That's why it's going to get rough. And I'm going to tell you why it's going to get worse at the three and a half years. I'll show you in a minute. Go ahead. Can I mention one thing? You, you, you got it on it, but you didn't go. I may he's, come back, but go ahead. He's got a bow. Yeah. No arrows. No arrows. He says, I come in peace. That's what he said. I didn't come to make war. That's right. Therefore, he didn't have no armor with him. Just that's right. Just his bow. Yeah, it does say that because I've read it many, many times. So see, the red horse comes out, there's peace. That's going to start at the mid-half of the tribulation, and these will be consecutive for three and a half years. You won't have these horses riding. But at the the middle of the three and a half years, 
They're going to ride out. The red horse is going to come out. Then in uh, verse number 5, you're going to see a black horse is going to ride out, and he is going to have a pair of scales. That means he's famine. It's going to get hard to get. Do you see it now laying out? It's getting ready for the mark of the beast. Everybody's been thinking we've been looking at the vaccines as the mark of the beast, and I've been saying all the time, uh-uh, uh-uh, no, sir. And it ain't happened. But it's going to happen. It's a pro, uh, a pre-runner, if you would, what we've faced in the last two or three years. Now, when you get down in verse number seven, you find the fourth horse rides out, and he is what? The pale horse, isn't he? Yes, and what's he got? Death and hell follow him. In other words, they're starving to death. What happened been starving to death? They're going to kill them. And death and hell is going to, in other words, they're going to lose their lives. The ones that don't take the mark will be killed. It's telling you right here in this part right here, this white horse starts it. That was in that book that nobody could open. Now God's opened it. And we're now seeing it. So somebody said, you don't know all that. Do it right here. The Bible said it. Immediately following in chapter 6, the white horse rides out. Now the one in chapter 19 comes out is Christ. The Christ of God coming this time. He's he's coming uh, from heaven. Amen. In the 19th chapter. Amen. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. The white horse in chapter 6 comes from beneath. The white horse in chapter 19 comes from above. Amen. Amen. And uh, the first one, he's come to dominate the complete land with religion, with politics, with military and uh, with economy, and that'll come through the mark of the beast. That's what that first horse comes for. The second one coming out on the, he's going to come down, and he's going to be on that, and he's going to offer peace, prosperity, and plenty. And that'll be in the millennium. The first one comes to start the tribulation. The second one comes to end the tribulation. You see in this? You look at these comparisons and uh, and put these analogies together. It's a blessing, isn't it? The first one offers false peace and breaks it. The second one is the prince of peace and he will give peace. The first horse comes out he is followed by war when the third horse comes out, second horse comes out, and pestilence and famine. You're seeing that all through the tribulation. The second one brings, as I said, what to go, peace, prosperity, and plenty. The first has a bow but no arrows, and the second has the sword drawn to conquer. The first will be more like a man, because he will be a man. Or he'll be, and I want to share this with you. We can get into something here that might uh, amaze you. He'll be a superhuman, and he'll be a powerful individual. But the second one will be God, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. He'll be divine. He'll be divine, and he won't be powerful. He'll be all powerful. What a difference. Amen. What side you on? 
Amen. That's right. So he's coming to appear uh, on the earth as a superhuman. I'm talking about the Antichrist. He's going to be a superhuman with a superhuman character, and he's going to be a marvel man that everybody's going to marvel at. He's going to be somebody that the entire world, the United States, China, Russia, uh, Asia, uh, Israel, the whole entire world would be amazed at him. And every answer he gives is going to be taken up because he's going to prove. See, the devil's a smart cookie. Yeah. And he's going to, he's not, he's not all smart. He's not omniscient. He's not all omnipresent. He's not um, uh, omnipower. Uh, he's not all omnipotent. The place he knows it all has a, and he's not omniscient. He don't know everything. But he knows a lot. Amen. He's had the experience of human beings for 6,000 years and he knows all our faults and failures better than you know your faults and failures. Mm-hmm. And the whole world will marvel at him. Many have asked me, and I wrote this down, do you think that the Antichrist is on the earth? And here's what I always answer him. I don't know. I don't. But he's in one of three places. He's either not born yet, and I, I exclude that fact a little bit. I've got doubts on that. I don't, I don't say he's born yet, but I'll, I'll, I'll explain that in a minute. He's in his place, wherever that's at, if he has been born. You say, has he been born? Probably so. Is he on the earth? He could be. But if he is, he has not been revealed. Look at Revelation 17. I'll read a verse. I'm fixing to get into something. I want you to listen carefully. Because if you don't look at what I'm telling you very carefully, you're going to you're going to think I'm a false teacher. I never want nobody to think I fa- that I'm a false teacher. Even if I falsely teach it, I teach it thinking I'm teaching the truth. Amen. And when I find out, what I, me and Brother Burroughs talking about that tonight, he said, sometimes I say things and then later I find out that what I said wasn't right. And I said, Brother Burrell, don't feel bad about that. I've done that all my life. And I'm going to tell you, Brother Tony has Amen. too. Amen. I don't know a preacher. I thought I've gotten the pulpit and told it just like it was and found out it was it was a I was deviated a little way from it. I didn't have all of it. I had part of the truth. I don't know any preacher that knows all the Bible. So what do I do? I teach what I know and try to leave what I don't know away. Out. Amen. Even if I've got a doubt about it and think it is right, I just don't say it. Sometimes I'm gun ho enough to say, bless God, I believe this is what it is. And I'd say, you have too, brother. Yeah. And then I find out uh, one day the preacher, another preacher preach it and shows some scripture and I say, glory to God, I was right. I don't feel so bad no more. Sometimes they say something different and I say, hmm, I didn't exactly say it that way. So I can't go back to the hundreds and thousands that I've told that to. But the next time I preach it, I say it a little louder 
and make it un- be un- understandable more. That's why every once in a while you might say, it ain't exactly the way he said that last time. That's because I've been to college and learned a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about Bob Jones. Mm-hmm. Amen. Now, let's look at this. I believe this. In, in, Matthew, in Revelation chapter 17 and verse number 8, look at this. It says, The beast that was, or, or the beast that thou sawest was, he was, yeah. and is not. He was somewhere back yonder. He was. Are you getting that? This is important. The beast that thou sawest was and is not. In other words, he's not now. But he was. And shall ascend out of the bottomless pit. Mm -hmm. So where's he at? He's in the bottomless pit if if he is in the bottomless pit. And And go into perdition. They that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they behold the beast that was, again, and is not, and yet is. John is saying he was. Amen. And he ain't now. But he will be. That's a kind of a strange thing, ain't it? Mm Mm-hmm. Now tell me who it is and where he's coming from. Where's he at? No, it don't. He said, the beast that was and is not. And yet is. He's in one of those three places. If I'm reading it correctly. But I don't know where he's at right now at the present. And... Wherever he is right now at the present has got something to do with when he's coming. But here's a key. Going back to that verse 8, the beast that thou sawest was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottom of his pit and go into perdition. You see that word perdition? There's never been, but two people has ever been talked about perdition. I'm going to give you those in just a minute. Now, let's look at John chapter 17 and verse 12. John chapter 17. I'm not talking about Revelation. I'm talking about John. 17 and 12. John 17, 12 said, While I was with them in the world, the 17th chapter is the is the prayer chapter of Jesus. Jesus is praying for every saint of God. You ought to be thankful for John's prayer for you. And actually, it's Jesus' prayer for us. I said John, didn't I? It's it's Jesus. Jesus' prayer. John recorded it. Verse 12, While I was with them, the Lord is speaking. Has he ever read that Bible there? Is it read? While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost, 
But the son of... Now, who is that? No. Judas Iscariot. Read it. Oh, yeah. You see it? That the scripture might be fulfilled. Now, what scripture? Chapter 17? When I talked about one ago? He's the one that was. Jesus said, I've chosen you twelve and one of you is a devil. I'll give you that scripture in a minute. All right? Is that what you were talking about? Your sermon Sunday night? Yeah. But I, I hate to mention those things when... When we hadn't gotten down to the itty gritty, because there's just so much that people go to church don't know. That's right. And me and Tony don't have time to tell all what I'm talking about today. I know it. You get started on something interesting, and then you have to. Yeah, I start. Your I start watching everybody watching their watch and yawning. <laughs> Isn't that right, brother? <laughs> so I figure they done got 15 minutes overhead of me. <laughs> And they've done had too much. <laughs> do you understand? I can sit and do this all day long. Yeah. This is just my life. But church members don't do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're already uh, over the limit of most of y'all. Every Saturday we come over here. Mm-hmm. You see, our minds, as saints of God, we can't comprehend two hours of Bible teaching. That's why heaven's going to change that. But it'll change you before you get to heaven if you can learn that for it. Hallelujah. I sat and studied all day. I'm not bragging. I'm sitting and studying all day long except for time to go to the bathroom, for time to go to eat, and time to, uh, had to go pick up something. Or working on getting the insurance ready for my truck to be worked on. Aggravating. You understand? So this is what I'm talking about. Now let's look at this a little bit. Can we just kind of dig this out a little? All right. And so he says, while I was with them in the world, he's talking about his saints, his disciples, his believers. I kept them in thy name. In other words, we're kept by the power of God. And anybody that wants to believe in eternal life, this is a good word for it. If you want to believe in uh, losing your salvation, okay, uh, you'll you'll have to skip this. The Lord is keeping uh, some of us, and He ain't keeping them. But I believe we're, they're all kept. He said, "I kept them in Thy name; those that Thou gavest me, and how many is that? All of them, I have kept, and none of them is lost. None of them, but the son of perdition." Now, the son of perdition is a devil. Judas is carried. That the scripture might be fulfilled. Now, let's go to Acts chapter 1. I'm going to go back and forth. Acts chapter 1, verse 25. Acts 1, first chapter, and verse 25. And we'll find this is where they're trying to find the one that's going to take the place of Judas Iscariot. And it said in verse 24, And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, 
uh, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether of these two hast, thou hast chosen. You probably heard me preach this before. Verse 23, they had got together and decided that Barsippus and uh, Matthias uh, uh, Math- uh, was going to be the two choices. And so they pick out them two choices, and then they look at the Lord, just like Baptists do. Lord, here's one. Here's here's the men. One of these men here is going to replace Judas Iscariot. Show us which one. Acts chapter one, verse twenty-three, twenty-four, and twenty-five. What they're saying is, Lord, we've picked out the two. One of them, we're not sure about. Which one? But one of these is the man that's supposed to take the job. That's basically what they're telling the Lord. Mm-hmm. I don't find anywhere up above, above that that they got down and said, Now, Lord, show us who's going to be the replacement for Judas Iscariot. Mm-hmm. Have you ever wondered why Judas was not an apostle? Have you ever heard people call him an apostle? Why not? They're going to save because he's a devil. But that's not the reason. The reason he could not be an apostle is an apostle had to see the Lord Jesus face to face, amen, after his resurrection. And Jesus had not risen in chapter 17 there. He's just betrayed him and sold him for 30 pieces of silver, he was dead and gone when Jesus rose. So he never saw the resurrected Christ. Those are things you don't, you don't get uh, in the average sermon of a preacher. If, you, if, you, if I bog down and start on this stuff like this right here, they'd say, I, I, why don't he preach? And then they'd, they'd come out shaking their head. Their head about fall off their shoulder every time they come out of service. I, I couldn't understand that. I couldn't understand that. He preached things I never heard before in my life. I preached up here one night that Jesus went to hell. And they looked. And I said, he went to the lower parts of the earth and the paradise side of, of hell. And preached to the captives. And Sue L got, she, she got tore up. And for a long time, we laughed about it. It's been your life now if you mention it to her. And she said, he said, the, the, the Lord went to hell. I said, he went to, the, he went to the heart of the earth. That's where hell was. He didn't go to hell itself, but he went to the paradise side of hell and delivered them out. She won't ever forget that. But I just touched it that morning. I've had sense to come back and preach that. You understand, there's so much a preacher can tell you that's not going to do, it's not going to help you. It's going to, it's going to get you to doubt. And if you ever get to doubt in a preacher of anything he says, you won't believe nothing he says. That's right. And that's what the, that's what the devil's doing. Does this make sense? All right. So it says here in verse 25 that he may take part of this ministry an apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. Where'd he go? 
went to his own place. <laughs> his own place. Where is his own place? I would say it's, uh would be um, the bottomless pit. That's where I'd say he went. And I want to throw some things in to think about, and I'm not going to. Get, I'm not certainly going to get into this this morning because I've already opened more can of worms than we can handle here. But that's what I like to get. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> we're going to go out of here more confused than we've ever been if I if I don't clarify clarify it, and that's really I ain't going to get into it. And do you know that the Bible talks about in the book of Revelation, the bottomless pit, the bottomless pit's going to open. And there's things in the bottomless pit you've probably never heard of. Ain't that where them little horse-like things comes out with things in their tails and all that? Scorpions. You understand where I'm saying, where I'm going? I'm not trying to ignore anything. If we've got the time to do it, we'll sit and study it. I'm not scared to study it. That's right. He's going to be putting in the bottom of his pit. For a thousand years. The devil. Yeah, God's going to put him out. He's going to put the beast and the false prophet. Uh, you know, that. but the devil's going to be put in the bottom of his pit. So the devil's never going to die either, right? No. At the end. He's going to suffer forever and forever. And the smoke of his torment is going to go up forever and ever. Hallelujah. Praise God. I shout off of that. No. I preached on that the other day. You just didn't catch it. I, I'll be back on it. Anytime I see somebody that don't know exactly yet, I come back on it uh, sometime or another. Amen. That's my job. That's why nobody needs to miss one service. That's why they don't need to leave. They don't need to miss one service. I pray the service you miss is the service you needed. All right, so I can so I can have something to get on. Now, let's go to Second Thessalonians. Let's go to Second Thessalonians chapter two. Almost second chapter. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 3. And we'll, you need, when you get there, put a piece of paper or something there. We're going to come back to this chapter. Second Thessalonians, First Thessalonians, and uh, those two uh, are the books of the second coming. Second Thessalonians chapter, what did I say? Yeah. Chapter 2. Second Thessalonians 2, verse number 3, says this, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come. What day? Uh, talking about the Antichrist. Except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin, who is the man of sin? The Antichrist. The man, that man of sin be revealed. In other words, I talked what we talked about in the first section. Him being revealed. The son of what? Perdition. So who's who's going to who is the son of perdition? Which as is the Antichrist. Are you seeing me? Yes, now. It's been there all the time. Yeah. We just miss it. Got anything to say, Tony? No, sir. 
except amen. Amen. All right. So we'll find it. Now, let's go back. We read it a while ago. Revelation chapter 17. We're learning a little bit at a time. Scripture is a little bit at a time. Here a little, there a little. Amen. That's what it's 17, and we read it a while ago, verse 8. But we're going to get another verse here with it. The beast that thou sawest was and is not. He was at one time. John's saying now he is not now. Uh, Revelation 17, verse 8. <clears throat> you understand? Is Antichrist here? No. No. So he's he's like John said here. He was, and uh, he is not, and shall ascend out of the bottom of his bed. So he, if he's here on the earth, he's not revealed. But I'm saying he's in the bottomless pit. Is where I'm what I'm saying. He's either in the bottomless pit or he's on the earth but has not been revealed. One of them two things. He has been here. We've done seen his effects in the three and a half years of Jesus Christ on the face of the earth and all he did to fight him. Amen. And he has been, he went to his own place from there. Let me get some time to finish. Get me a stopping place here and we'll stop. And then he and go into the into perdition. That's where he went. And they shall dwell on the earth. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written, not written, in the book of life. That's that other book I'm talking about. From the foundation of the world, which they behold, the beast that was and is and is not. Now go to verse 11. In verse 11, he gives us something else. And the beast that was... And is not, even he is the eighth and is of the seventh and goeth into perdition. That's the other time. Now that's kind of a confusion verse. And it's coming forth. Now I'll explain that. But I'm not going to explain it now. And uh, we're not going to look at it in that because I'm going to get into something else that I can't get out of on quitting time. John chapter 6. At least you know there's some things yet you don't know. John chapter 6 and verse number 70. John 6 and 70 and we'll take a break after one more verse. Verse number 6 and verse 70 Jesus said Jesus answered them have not I chosen you twelve and one of you is a devil. That makes sense. He's talking about Judas is carried. Look at chapter 13 and verse 18. Now, if you preach this, and I'll guarantee you, there's not many preachers in the county will preach what I just said. And why? They don't know it. They hadn't got that figured out yet. But I know a lot of preachers that preach it. Chapter 13. And verse 18. Well, John. John. 13, 18 says, I speak not of you all. I know whom I have chosen. 
but that the scripture may be fulfilled. He that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. Who's he talking about? Judas Iscariot. That clarified. Now he's the one that went in as became went into perdition, and is called the son of perdition. That ought to clarify. Have you ever heard this? And I'm just going to throw this at you, run off, and leave you with it. The Bible said in the book of Isaiah that John the Baptist would, uh, I mean that Elias would come again. And we look at other things and we'd all say, all say he's probably coming back in the tribulation. We're not there at all yet. But in the New Testament, there's a place, I don't know exactly, I'll have to look up the verse, but it says, uh, this is uh, Isaiah's, if you have it. When he talked about John the Baptist, mm-hmm. Elias, that was the one, Eli, uh, or Elijah, who has come in the power of John the Baptist. That's that's a whole big study right there. And I've just confused you. But do you understand? That's a kind of the same thing you've got with Judas Iscariot. Yeah. He's Satan in the flesh. That's what I always thought. All right? Yeah. Now we're going to take a break. <laughs> 